You are listening to PLV Radio Network. Join us in celebrating all of life's possibilities with inspirational, illuminating and insightful talk shows. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Leslie Trail. We're going to be talking about sexy over 60, empowering women 45 to 60 and beyond. Getting older does not mean we need to be put out to pasture. We still have desires and dreams and abilities to live a full, vibrant life. What is the key to living a sensual life and embracing our divine sensuality? Leslie shows us that meditation, our food, our thoughts and positive action can give us a great quality of life and renews our sensual desire. Leslie's motto is, change your mind, change your body, you change your life. So we're going to discover how this all happened for Leslie Because she actually came upon this at 45 going through menopause when it kind of tapped her on the shoulder and changed her body and she was wondering what the hell was going on. So she's taken this journey through trial and tribulation and has now become a coach in helping people find their own personal empowerment and dealing with things like menopause, like sensuality and like addressing those changes that goes on in a woman's body, but how to maintain your sexuality, your femininity, and the empowerment of being a beautiful woman. So welcome to the show, Leslie. Good morning. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. It was beautiful. Ah, thank you very much. Well, anybody looking at your picture will look at you and go, what, 65? <laughs> I don't believe it. Um, so you are a testimony to, to what you're doing right. And we, today you're going to share that, um, what you are doing. But I'd like to kind of go back to when it tapped you on the shoulder. What was um, life like for Leslie, you know, pre-menopause? Well, I was very busy. I was in the fashion business and uh, running very, very quickly. You know, um, every day I was out in my in my car. I had other people working for me. I had two assistants in an office, and it was a very, very busy time in my life. And um, needless to say, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to me. Um, it was more about business. And I had uh, two, teen- two teenage daughters at the time, and um, life was all about them and about my business. And my whole being, I never really paid a lot of attention. I got dressed in the morning and, you know, uh, put on beautiful clothes because I was in the fashion business and I was afforded to have a lot of samples and whatnot. And I noticed, I started noticing that I was having to up the sizes, but it never really occurred to me. I thought, well, you know, a little bit of bloating here, a little bit of bloating there. I'm sitting all day in my car and things just kind of rolled on without me really paying too much attention and being, I guess, out of touch with me. Until one day, it was on a weekend, and I was looking in the mirror, and I thought to myself, my God, I have really put on a lot of weight. How did this all happen? And I hadn't really been eating crazy, and I didn't eat a lot of sweets or whatever, and I kind of... Uh, you know, I kind of attributed it to the, the sitting in the car and, and uh, you know, being on the road all the time. But it kept getting, it kept getting worse and worse. And I realized that I also, again, it brought me into touch with the fact that I was 
having some other symptoms, um, like my hair was a little bit dry, um, my skin was dry, um, I was a little bit moody, I found that things were just bothering me when they shouldn't have been, and um, I decided to, to go and to, to have all my blood work done. Well, what came up is that I had gone into menopause at 45, or what they call perimenopause. So my thyroid was not functioning at optimum level. Um, my eating habits, although I thought I was doing well, my my body was not assimilating the food um, the way it should be because of because of menopause. Mm. I'm very holistic, so I I chose not to go with with eight um, what do they call it hormone replacement therapy. And my doctor at the time was also a holistic doctor, um, integrative doctor, medical as well as out, as well as um, homeopathic. So she had suggested um, some um, remedies, herbal remedies, um, black cohosh, um, some other some other things that she had recommended, and they started to help with my moods, but they didn't really help with my weight gain. And again, when a woman starts to put on weight, she starts to feel very, very frumpy, mm-hmm. right? And you you start to feel that, okay, I've lost control, you know, and that's what was also starting to happen. Is I thought, well, I've lost control here. Like, am I ever going to get back to where I was? I put on, um, when I realized that I was, up, I was up over 30 pounds from where I had been. Mm-hmm. So on my frame, I'm five foot uh, five foot two and a half, five foot three, and I was tipping the scales at one sixty-five, which is a lot of weight to have on a small frame. Yeah. So, needless to say, it was I was very, very disturbing. It, it was, I was very sad. Um, I went into a little bit of a funk, you know, a little bit of a depression, thinking, "Oh my God, this is the end of it for me." You know, I'll never have my figure back. I'll never be able to to cope with this. And I started doing some research because I'm also the kind of person that's very, very proactive. And I started doing some research, and all the research that I did, I already was a meditator, but there was certain meditation exercises that I could do that would help me to become more focused, to get out to a gym, to eat better, to also to slow down, um, to slow down my my um, my anxiety, so that I could stop building up more cortisol. Because the more upset we get, and the more out of control we get. Emotionally, our cortisol goes up, and we're fighting against ourselves. We're fighting against the, the hormones that are going on in our body. So what I found out was that there were certain meditations that I could do, and I was already a meditator since the age of 19. And it also was about getting out there and moving my body. I had not done any exercise. I was doing nothing but working, coming home, doing my invoices, talking on the phone a little bit with some clients and then going to bed and spending a little bit of time with my kids and then going to bed. So there was no self-care happening, none whatsoever. Then upon reflecting, I realized that I wasn't even really eating as well as I thought I was. I was grabbing a bran muffin here or I was grabbing a, a pita a pita pocket someplace else. It was like eating on the run all the time and mostly in the car. So I, my body wasn't really assimilating the food. Yeah. So, becoming proactive and decided that there was something that I needed to do. First of all, I needed to change my mind. So, I needed to start working on liking myself. Okay, this is where I'm at, right? This is who I am now. I'm 30 pounds heavier. I'm feeling sluggish. I'm not feeling very happy with myself. But I have to change that. 
I have to start accepting the fact that this is where I am. Now, what, are you, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to sit here and put on another 5, 10, another 15, maybe another 20 pounds? Or am I going to change the way I look at this situation and start being proactive? So I decided to change my mind. I needed to get more into my meditations, do it more regularly. I needed to focus on eating healthier, doing a lot of research on how to eat healthy, what kinds of foods would help would help me with set with being sedentary all day long, and then finding a way to incorporate exercise into my into my life. So it was really an interesting, interesting journey because when I first started working out I was wearing a, I call it my fat suit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, a friend of mine was a soccer player, a man, all right? And he was not, like, he's, he's not an overly large man, but, you know, he was big enough. And I said to him, can I borrow your, um, your, your warm-up gear? Do you have any old warm-up gear that I can borrow? Because I, I started to run, I started to jog. And he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, it's never going to fit you. I said, trust me, it's going to fit me. <laughs> so I borrowed his run his running that that warm up suit and I started I started walking running till I built up to the point where I could actually run. By getting some exercise it also helped me to get more in touch with my diet because why would I go out and run let's say two miles and be absolutely exhausted at the end of it and then just eat a bunch of junk food. Yeah. So it really helped me to focus and to really put together an eating program. I worked myself up to five miles, 10 miles, and then I ran a half marathon, and then I ran a full marathon, not even realizing at the point, I was still wearing this, this suit. I was still wearing the suit after the first half marathon because I was embarrassed of what I would look like. And um, there was a woman who I was running with, and she looked at me one day and said, why are you wearing that thing is falling off of you. Well, see, there's your perception of yourself. Yes. I didn't even realize it was falling off of me because when I looked at myself in the mirror, I didn't see any of that. I only saw that this, this tremendous weight gain that I had. And I find with women, when they go into perimenopause and when they go into menopause, and you probably know this yourself from speaking to many, many women, is that that's the first thing that they notice. They start to get that paunchiness. They start to get that bloatedness around their stomach, and they start to find that their hips, like around just below the waist, they get like a little ball where it kind of sticks out. So this is where the, the, the weight gain starts because the estrogen is dropping, and as the estrogen drops, we start to put on the weight in places that we never put it on before. Mm -hmm. So the journey, the journey really became one of self-exploration, and one of figuring out how to crack the code, I call it cracking the code, how to crack the code on getting back to a place where I was happy with myself. And it wasn't just, Sarah, it wasn't just about the weight gain, it was about all of it. Yes, it has to be about all of it. Yeah, it wasn't just the weight gain, because yeah. that, that to me, you know, that, that's, about, that's health and wellness, but it also can become superficial as well, because we don't want to just focus on that, because there are some women who do have a lot of difficulty losing weight. But it was about, about changing everything in my entire environment, about looking at myself and saying, okay, I'm 45 years old. Do I want to be like this at 55? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be like this at 65? Um, you know, I just, I turned 67 years old um, January of this year, and I still get people 
thinking I'm in my early 50s. Some people even think I'm in my late 40s because it's not just about the weight gain or the weight loss. It's about changing your energy. Yes. And that's where the sensuality comes in. That's where that feeling of sexiness comes in because sexiness is about how you feel about yourself, how you walk, how your body moves, how you f- and there's, there's women who, who are heavy that have that feeling about themselves. It's the woman like myself who was, uh, was, was, was disturbed by the fact that my body had been changing because I was very, very um, slim up until I went into menopause. And it becomes, it's a real shocker. It's a real shocker. So it's, it's, really, it's really about tapping in, I call them the youth hormones, Tapping into those youth hormones, we're never going to go back to when we were 20. No. Right? We're never even going to go back to when we were 25 or 30. But the fact of the matter is, we can go back there in our mindset and reprogram our mindset to feel the Peter Pan, I call it the Peter Pan syndrome. It's the feeling that you can take on the world, that you can do anything that you want to do, and life isn't over until it's over. Well, you know, the the point I think that we need to really look at is that our weight fluctuates. I'm I'm one of those people, my weight goes up and down. I'm Mm -hmm. a very curvy person. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, when you have children, your weight goes, you know, crazy. And it changes actually your skeletal um, body as well. So even if you lost all the weight and got back, you find that your body isn't the same shape because, you know, Mm -hmm. rib cages are being pushed out, hip cages are being pushed out, etc. And so, you know, there's always that little yo-yo thing. I think where that sensuality starts is that we're not defined by our poundage. And and although losing the weight is really healthy for us, and that's how Mm -hmm. we need to look at it, as it being giving us energy and giving us health, uh, as you said, there are plenty of bigger women out there that are incredibly sensual because they've tapped into their sensual inner being and they're Mm -hmm. not defined by their outer being. I think we need to get our mindset there first, don't we? Yes, that's yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about because you're not always going to lose that weight. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to drop off. Um, I was an athlete in school, so and I was an athlete up until I, I had children. So I had that athlete, athletic mentality, yes. all right, where exercise is very, very important for me. And I had lost touch with that. I think what it is, Sarah, it's about finding out what makes you happy. Yes. All right? So yeah. for, me it was, for me, it was getting control of my exercise and my diet and, and delving more into, into my into my meditation practices, and this is the, what I teach my clients. Find what makes you happy. The meditation piece is, goes without saying. The, the eating healthy, all right, the eating healthy goes without saying because it does help with the whole menopausal um, dilemma. But if you don't lose your 10 or 15 or 20 pounds, if you're happy with where you are and you're doing the best you can and you're and you start to feel that spark come back into your life and I, uh, that, that little bit of a, a skip in your step. And that, to me, is what it's about, is about the exercise isn't so much about the weight loss. It's about getting back that skip in your step and feeling yes. your body come alive. 
Well, your body needs to move. I mean, we, exactly. you know, it's, it needs to be a fluid energy. Um, it needs that for, for the psyche and for everything else. You know, we, we weren't put in this shell to be stagnant. You know, we're put in it to be able to move because then it, it actually stimulates us, our, our mind, our psyches, our creativity, everything. But exactly. I think, you know, another huge, enormous, which I know you're going to verify this, um, that is crucial to us that can kill our sexual drive, can kill, um, you know, our weight, um, can make us unhealthy, uh, can just stop us from living is stress. Yes, absolutely. And that's where the cortisol comes in. So the more we stress over the little things, the more we stress over the fact that we're, 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 we're in this position, you know, with respect to menopause, and we don't do anything about it, then the stress builds, the cortisol builds, and we start to feel more unhealthy, which also they've done studies, a lot of studies, that, you know, once you get into, into um, perimenopause and menopause, you have to be careful because you set yourself up for heart disease, mm-hmm. right? And that, again, comes from, from the stress. Yeah. So the, the meditation piece is so very important. I believe that meditation is important for absolutely everybody. All right, not just women, Everybody. men, yeah. children, across the board. Across the board, I hundred percent agree with that. And that, and there is different types of of meditation. You know, people are going to uh, find going for a bike ride or a walk, or some people mm-hmm. with yoga, or some people deep breathing and chanting. You've got to find your niche, haven't you? But mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things is, you know, for me, it's switching off the chatter. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because I love to be in silence because then I can hear what I'm meant to hear. But mm-hmm. I've got noise around me all the time and it's so hard to switch that off. What kind of keys have you got for people who just are constantly in noise? Okay. It's a really, really simple. It's very, very simple. And I teach this to children as well because children live in noise as well. Once they get into their preteens and teenage years, they've got all that chatter. That chatter starts as young as, as our teenies, you know, like 11, 12 years old. It's a very simple counting exercise. It, it, it's, it's basically taking your mind and negating the white sound because that chatter that's not useful is white sound. So we, we, we learn to, to, through this exercise, which, which I'm going to tell you about, is we learn to make that chatter white sound. So it means nothing. Right. And we start to focus on the exercise of counting. So if you can, when you get into a place of where you want to relax, even to go to sleep at night, if you start to count in your mind from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 to 10, and then count backwards to 1 again, and then count forwards to 10 again, and then count backwards to 1 again, you actually feel your body start to download. It starts to download and let go of the tension. It starts to download and the, 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 um, the chatter becomes this white sound where you may be listening to it, you may hear it, but it's not affecting you. So that you can continue to do this counting and it will get you into an alpha or a relaxed state of being and the chatter will eventually go away. Now you see that you make a very big point here, counting up to 10 and back down again. You're actually creating a rhythm, aren't you? I had yes. a friend I, I recently traveled with and you know, she woke up one morning and said, I couldn't sleep last night. And I, can't, I even counted sheet. I got up to 1,500. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, there's the problem. 
Mm-hmm. You were so busy. What's the next number? What's the next number? Mm-hmm. You actually kept yourself awake. But if you're exactly. going up to ten and then down to one, up to ten and down to one, you're creating a rhythm that mm-hmm. you kind of get lost in that rhythm, don't you? It's like a mantra. Yeah. It's a very simple mantra, and that's why I'm saying I teach it to children, um, because it's just it's a simple, simple, simple mantra, and you get into this rhythm of one, two, and on to ten, and then back again, and then it gets to the point where the counting actually goes away. The chatter, or the chat, I call it the chattering monkey. The chattering monkey becomes still, and then you get into that place of complete calm. Mm. where that is where the work is done. But, the, you know, I teach, um, my background is Buddhist meditation. I was taught, I started meditating at the age of 17, and I was taught by a Buddhist nun. Um, there were, there's not a lot of Buddhist nuns out there, and there weren't a lot back in the, um, back in the 60s and 70s. And um, so my background is Buddhist meditation. So what I've done is I've incorporated the Buddhist mindfulness meditation together with techniques that I've developed over the years and have given them to to my clients um, with incredible results as people can see when they do decide to go onto my site. There's some wonderful testimonials there. And what I use, Sarah, is I use color. So once we get past that counting and we get past the breathing, because there are some breathing exercises that I I help people to, to learn how to do, then we get into different colors and color they've done studies that color actually helps to balance out our emotions so we react to color emotionally so for example some people walk into a room and there'll be a color in that room that will actually make them feel sick at their stomach Mm. and then there's other colors that will make them feel very happy and very very light so each color that i use has an emotion attached to it so when I'm working with an individual, I start to give them different colors every week that helps them to release the emotion that's attached to the situation or circumstances causing them the stress. I'm, I'm completely, um, you know, in belief of uh, color therapy, you know, and breathing and sound. Um, but, you know, color, people don't actually realize how much it affects their psyche. I mean, why is the uh, clothing industry so absolutely massive? Um, and yes, we all want to look like the models, quote, quote, but it is those mm-hmm. colors that we associate with that makes us feel fresh and vibrant or sexy and sultry or, mm-hmm. you know, relaxed and calm. Um, and we, we are drawn to that because that's what we're needing at the time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why exactly. you always have that one particular favorite dress that you keep going to. Right. right. Or that particular top because you go to it and, you know... Um, you, you you find that it just makes, like you said, it makes you feel sexier, it makes you feel sultrier, it makes you feel happier, it makes you feel calm. So the colors that, that we use or I use within my color meditation, it helps people to tap into those emotions so that that is the emotion that comes up when they're doing a meditation with that particular color and that helps to reprogram their subconscious towards a number of things, towards, as I said, the stress, towards their relationship with food, towards their relationship with their partner, towards their relationship with their children. So it starts causing emotional responses and emotional change, which in fact starts to benefit their life. It starts to benefit the way they see themselves. It starts to make them feel 
that they are in control of of what's going on within their their own reaction to things in their life, and their whole situation starts to become one of more peacefulness, more calm, and and more just at, at, at being and and happy with themselves. A woman who's happy is sexy. Exactly. But, you know, there's a big word you brought up there, reaction. And, you know, so many people are walking around stressed, and they're not quite sure what they're stressed over. But because they're stressed, they bring that stress into everything, every aspect of their life, and they react to everything in a negative way, even Mm -hmm. if something is presented to them in a positive way, because they've got into that cycle of stress. I suffer from anxiety and depression. I know where my triggers are, and I have Mm -hmm. to be very, very careful. Once you're in that loop... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of like a chemistry that takes over. No rational can get rid of it. It's you're mm-hmm. in that cycle. So that that unwinding and de-stressing, you start looking at things around your life and you realize they're really not as bad as you think they are. But mm-hmm. if you're in that stressful mode, um, you're so uptight, nothing is going to go right. Exactly. But ha- having said that, if you have some meditation techniques yes. that you can use, to help you to to calm that down. So, for example, in that particular case, um, what I what I do with people is I ask them a lot of questions and I find out where their stress is coming from. What are their triggers? You know, it could be work, it could be a significant other, it could be children, it could be just a smell in the room. Yeah. It could be, you know, it could be anything that's the trigger. And then we work from there. So. From what you you know, from what you've just told me, um, I would probably start you off with the color blue because the color blue is one of calm and peace. And of course, it's and my it key may color. Be difficult. Pardon me. It's my key color. Okay, it may be difficult for you to tap into that initially. Maybe you know when you first start because there's because your body or your psyche wants to stay in that place of anxiety because that's the place that it knows and that's the place that it's comfortable. So the blue, that really beautiful sky blue, that powder blue, that baby blue, blanket blue, that's the blue that's really, really important. I also work with people, not only with color, but I work with shapes. So as people start to become more um, in tune with the type of meditation that I'm teaching them, then I take them to the next step, which I start helping them to surround themselves with different shapes. So there's bubbles, there's triangles, there's squares, there's all kinds of things that can be used to, to put yourself in and then fill that, fill that space with a color so that it, it makes it even stronger and it makes it more profound. Um, and again, it's, it's about, I think it's, a, it's about, you know, when we feel that our life is running away from us. And, and again, when I, and I go back to, the, to, to menopause again only because this is a really crucial thing right now. The baby boomer population is huge. They, you know, predictive, whatever you want to call it. The fact of the matter is, is that this is the hugest influx of people that are going to be old all at one time, all right? Or yes. elderly all at one time. They're all, we're all, we're all going into that place. And women, Women, the last baby boomer turned 50 last year, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, and they're into menopause. So we've got an entire pop- <laughs> aging population. Yeah, and we've got this entire aging population. Could be scary. <laughs> Pardon me? It could be scary. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's the truth. So, you know, it's like anything else. We've got to face the truth. This is, we have a huge aging population. And all, everybody, including men, 
And you don't think men don't go through something with hormones? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. They go through the same thing as we do. They just go through it at a different time, usually a little bit older than we do. But they also go through, you know what, they get the punch, the punch, right? Yes. That stomach. Again, if the cortisol is stressed. But we've got this whole group of individuals that are, you know, in their 50s, 45 plus, that are starting to see these changes, that their life experience is is stressing them out. If they don't get with the program and they don't get with get some tools to handle it, then we've got an entire population that's so out of touch and so stressed. And then we have the, the disease, the more disease yes. comes up, you know. And we can go in, we can go into a conversation about that. I mean, we, if we want to, I mean, they've done studies that, that, you know, uh, the cancer is caused by stress. 100% agree. I mean, you've got cancers that are caused by, you know, um, the environment, the chemical, you know, the dysfunction you know, of what goes in the body. But I have done numerous shows on cancer. And mm -hmm. I would say the common denominator of the cancer has been everybody carries the cancer gene. Right. It's in there. But exactly. the activation, I think the number one activation of that cancer gene is stress. And, you know, unhappiness, hopelessness, stress, it's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it, you know, if they were to do, let's say they were to, do, and again, you know, you talk about, I mean, we can go into children too, but I believe that a lot of children who, who have cancer have had stress in their life from whatever from whatever it is. It could have even been a stressful birth. You know, yeah, we it stems don't know. from the, the womb, you know, parents being stressed womb. in there, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the mother is stressed, or the mother is transmitting stressful, uh -huh. stressful hormones into into the fetus. So I mean, it goes on and on. But they they've done studies that that cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's. That's another one. Yes, you know, Alzheimer's can also um, and dementia can also be prevented through meditation, because what meditation does is it builds more gray matter. Gray matter is what the brain. The, if the brain has more gray matter, then the, gray, the brain functions better. The brain actually um, is more optimal. They've done studies with with, um, with uh, Buddhist Buddhist monks mm -hmm. that they have more brain matter, more gray matter, I should say, than the average person because of the meditation that they do. There are also done studies, and I've cut out articles all over the place that they're they're actually happier. Um, and again, when a person is happy, going to this, your know, sensuality as women and going to our sexuality as women, when a person is happy, then they feel attractive. Yes. Well, it's sending off a vibe, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you see women out there, the old mutton dressed up as lamb, and they're trying to be sexy by trying to be that 20-year-old in a 50-year-old body. Right. Um, and it, that's not what sexy is. Sexy no. is confidence a love of self a love of mm -hmm. life um you know the, actually tapping into the sensual side of you all your senses everything your smell your touch your sight your taste everything being more accentuated in the appreciation and the gratitude of life and i mm -hmm. think people who live in that exude that sensuality Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes people will put a cap on it and they'll say, and I think you, you mentioned this in, in your introduction, people will put a cap and say, well, you know, it, over a certain age, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I just love it. Over a certain age, you shouldn't do that. Why? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I remember when I was, I turned 50 and again, you know, I, I started this, I started this journey at 45 with, you know, the weight gain and the menopause and everything. At the age of 50, um, you know, I ran my first full marathon. And I remember someone said to my brother, 
why is she running a marathon at 50 years old? Uh-huh. And my brother, who, who actually unfortunately passed away a year later than this, but he was my biggest champion, he said, because she can. Yes. And, and you know, we've got, we've got to stop. This, th- we've got to stop putting this age restriction on exactly. humanity. Just because in you know, past centuries, you know, a lot of people wouldn't make 40 you know, never mind 50. A lot of people didn't go through the menopause because they didn't live that long. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we are now, you know, we're 10 years younger than, than what we are. Um, you know, in some cases, like yourself, probably 15, 20 years younger than what <laughs> <Yeah>. you are. <laughs> and, and we, you know, we, we are, are meant to live till the day we die. And that means the only way we're going to live a fruitful life is to be proactive in your life, to mm-hmm. participate in your life. So this stigma that, you know, now you're retired, you know, go and sit and take up crocheting or, you know, uh, go and do good works, go and be a servant. I say there's a difference between service and servitude. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this sacrificial thing. Um, you know, I'm 60 and, you know, I'm again starting all over again in my life, taking yet another new direction. And it's as long as it doesn't become stressful, you know, you keep the stress down, it becomes full of adventure. And why can't we still have adventure at this age? Mm. I like this. I like the word reinvention. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that word reinvention. It's because, fun. <laughs> because it's fun. Yes. All right. So to reinvent oneself, which I've done a number of times in my life, mm-hmm. to reinvent oneself to me is a happy place because it, it stirs up all those creative juices. Yeah. It makes you feel alive. I'm on a new. I'm on a new venture. I'm on a new road of discovery. Um, it 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 just makes a person feel. Uh, that they're useful because they're starting something new. So when people get dragged down by the fact that they are put in a position, they're forced to start something new. You know, over the years, people have been downsized uh, in their careers, whether it be men or women, they've been downsized in their careers because of age or, or whatever reasons. To look at that as an opportunity to reinvent oneself. I mean, what a gift! I mean, we live in we live in Western we live in Western culture. We live in a culture that allow, affords us the opportunities that people don't have in third world yeah. countries. That's why people in third world countries come here. We have so much opportunity, and to walk around with this "woe is me" and and you know I'm in a horrible place, and I'm not sexy anymore, and I'm not happy, and I'm fat, and I'm ugly, and and I'm I've just lost my mojo. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the, the fact of the matter is none of those things have to happen to anybody because there are so many tools and there are so many people out there, myself included, that are, are around and willing to coach people and to help them and give them the tools that will get them to a better day and to a better place. There's people that don't have that. But the whole thing is, is that, you know, what we have to actually understand is that we have to take ownership over our own lives. Um, Mm -hmm. We can't keep passing it on to someone else and then blame them for what's going on. If your marriage breaks up or your job or this or that, it's just life. Um, There's, you know, either it was meant to change or, you know, there was something you weren't doing because you weren't participating in it and it caused the change. And Mm -hmm. you need to take, you know, some accountability and some responsibility for your choices in life and make sure that they truly are serving you so that you can serve your community and as I said we're living in a world now that there are people like yourself at a click you know one touch there you are 
Uh, there is no excuse. We've got to stop making excuses because mm-hmm. there are people out there that have the tools that have made the journey. More importantly, mm-hmm. have made the journey in discovering these tools. And mm-hmm. so when they're actually sharing those tools with you, it's tried and tested because it worked for them. Exactly. So it isn't, it isn't necessarily some therapist who's gone and taken all kinds of yeah. courses, and not to put that down, but this is yeah. an example, but never walk the talk. Yes. When someone has walked the talk and gone through the fire, so to I speak, hear you, sister. Right? We've been there. We know it. Right, exactly. So when someone has gone through the fire and they've come out the other side and they know that they're going to go through a fire again and again, because that's life. Yes. But that should be the, that can also be the excitement of life once we get to the other side of the fire, because that's, that's life, that's experience, um, that's the, the, the impetus to, to continue to grow on that and make oneself better. So it, it's, life, life is, again, it's, it's very cliche, but life is what you make it. Well, you know what? It is what you make it. It is. Because you can, a person can be passively sitting around in their life and letting the wave take them here and take them there and take them someplace else, but not allowing themselves to enjoy that journey. Just feeling that they're rudderless and that they're just going in this place of, of never, 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 never understanding um, where they are, where they've been, or where they're going. So it's really important, it, I feel it's really, really important to tap in on a daily basis to our grounding. And that's again what meditation does. It helps yeah. you to tap in daily to that grounding where you feel connected. And when you go out into the world with that feeling of connection to yourself and to your environment, you can do nothing but succeed with any life challenges that you're given because everybody has life challenges. Every single person in their life, that's what life is. Life well, is it's, a challenge. It's, you get to go through the fire without being burnt. Exactly. It's very good. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's the whole premises of it. And it's like... You know, you look back and go, okay, that was another chapter of the book. You know, was it my favorite chapter? No. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or that was the chapter that really has changed all chapters to come. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not every one of them is going to be rosy, but each one of them will show you the courage that you have within you, the tenacity mm-hmm. you have within you. And each one of them should show you, if you're doing it right, the more love and admiration for who you are and what you're here for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's interesting, too, to... to um to observe children. I've been observing my granddaughter the past couple of weeks. She got a, um, and the reason I bring this up is because I've been watching this and it's, I found it profound because this is where we should be. This is where we should all be. She got a minor concussion two weeks ago and she's an athlete. So she's an elite skier. She's a, an elite uh, soccer player. She plays, you know, championship soccer. She wins gold medals, silver medals in skiing. She also was playing volleyball, and that's where the that's where the accident happened. She was hit by a very heavy ball. It knocked her off, knocked her off balance, and hit her square in the head. Where I'm going with this is, I've watched her journey over the past week to lose her life. Like in other words, she hasn't been able to do anything. She hasn't been able to go to school. She can't do her computer. She can't talk to her friends on the phone. She can't text her friends. She can't do anything that was her life. Yes. All right. Her life has come to a standstill to a total standstill. It's getting better now, but where I'm going with this this example is that she's taken it in her stride. She's found other things to do to make her happy. 
So she started doing crafts. She's been cleaning the house. She cleans her brother's room. She cleans her room. She's taking a bad situation, or she's taken a bad situation, and she's making it better. Mm-hmm. Nobody taught her to do this. It's coming from that child's place yes. of innocence. Yeah, and that's... Of knowing, of being positive, and knowing that things are going to get better. Well, they, as of this weekend, they have started getting better. The high headaches have subsided. She's running seven miles now around the block. She's doing some a little bit of her athletics. She spent a half a, more than a half a day in school on Friday. But the, where I'm going with this whole thing is that this is just an example of how life can knock you down. And we should look at children and see how they respond because they don't allow it to knock them down. Yep. It's, you know, they get frustrated and mad and then it's like, well, what do I need to do to get back up? Exactly. And that's exactly it. Where it right from when we're, when we're babies and we, we learn to crawl and we fall down and then we learn to walk and we fall down. That's life. Yes. Life is about falling down and getting up and getting the tools, using the tools that are at hand and are in our environment that we can learn to be able to get us to the next step because I believe that each one of us is a teacher for the other. So like you said earlier, if you haven't experienced it, then you can't really help somebody else. And whether it's helping through the work that I do or whether it's just helping a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, by giving them a helping hand and saying, you know, this is what I did. This is what helped me. This is what maybe you can do as a woman to woman or even an individual to individual to be able to get through life's difficult situations. And, you know, the, the whole menopause thing really is just a blip in the road. It really just is a blip in the road because as soon as you go into it, that's how quickly you come out of it. If you're in, the, if you're in a frame of mind that gives you joy and happiness and you're doing something, you're not just sitting there expecting other people to do it for right. you. Yeah, you know, look to the bright side of life. You know, um, I talk about divaism a lot. Um, a diva is a person who's able to dream, inspired by that dream, uh, sees the vision of that dream and aspires to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And our, the children are born that way, and it sounds like mm-hmm. your granddaughter is living her life as a diva. Yes, and yes. may she never lose it, because we lost it along the way because mm-hmm. of conformity. Conform at school, conform to society, conform to your age group, conform to dictation. And we're breaking that that eggshell away now saying I'm not going to conform anymore I'm going to embrace my life and all its possibilities and all its opportunities and you certainly have become that diva again because you're living in your truth, you're living your dream you're inspiring others to see the vision and helping them aspire to see their own diva and it's so important we keep our dreams alive it's so important that we actually embrace um, the possibility of tomorrow, Uh, open open-armed we've got to get out of our heads a lot haven't we we've mm-hmm. got to trust yeah. the soul and the heart and the spirit and let yeah. that be a part of our conversation because our heads can talk us out of anything yeah you know when you feel that um oh you know when you feel that excitement it's almost like your body is vibrating yes you know it's like if you get that vibrational thing where your body is pulsating that you know you're in the right place at the right time and you're on the right track yeah when that happens that is exactly what you're talking about. It's that, it's that joy of innocence or that, that's that getting to that diva place um, where everything around you, you know that it's good. And, you know, when, when a person is in control of, I, I don't like that word control, and again, I'm not using it negatively. I really yes. feel that we have to be in, in control at some point in our life. But there, and, and control for me is about knowing. I guess control in me is knowing. So if I know something, 
then it gives me the ability to make decisions that are beneficial. So when we are in that place where that vibration is happening, usually it will happen when we come up with a new idea, <clears throat> a creative idea. It can come up when we're exercising. It can come up when we're, when we're feeling healthy and we're eating properly. It can come up when we're in a really positive relationship. It can come up when we leave a really negative relationship. Um, you know, it can come up when we're in a really great job. It can come up when we start a new business. It can come up when we have children. I mean, all of these things are this, this vibratory joy that yeah. I'm talking about. And I, I believe that that's where sexy is. Sexy is, for a woman, is in that vibratory joy. To be able to walk out onto the street at this, and smile at somebody and say hello. There are so many people that are so miserable. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, I go to the gym every day, and I see people at the gym, and I think what a luxury it is to be able to come to a gym and work out. And these people don't want to smile. Yeah. It's a chore you, to them rather than, you know, right. a, an investment in their body. Right. You say hi, and they just kind of scowl at you. And I think <laughs> to myself, my goodness, don't you, don't, you, don't you see what the privilege that you have here? So it's about taking those small little things and, and saying hello to somebody every day. And the more I say hello to these people, then they open up and they'll eventually smile at me now. But it's about saying hello to somebody in the street, about giving somebody that smile, uh, about just sharing your, your joy, your joy. And even if that joy is only for one hour a day. Yeah. Even if it's well, just, you know, we can't walk around in bliss all the time. I and mean, that wouldn't be realistic, would it? But no, you but you know what, what you're talking off. about here is, is joy is gratitude, isn't it? Mm-hmm, when exactly. you live in gratitude for what you have and what your possibilities are, you're living in that joy. You're not mm-hmm. living in that, well, I don't have. You're looking in what you do have and what can you do with that to create those possibilities and opportunities for you to follow. You're living in abundance. I had, yeah. a, I had a mentor many, many years ago. Um, many years ago, I guess I was in my 30s, and she would have been in her 50s. And one of the things that she said said to me, this is what she would teach when she would go out and do lectures and seminars and workshops. Do you know you use far fewer muscles in your face to smile than you do to frown? Yeah. yeah. And that, to me, is so key. Because people walk around scowling and being so unhappy about their lot in life, whether it be because they're losing their, their sensuality, whether they're losing their looks, whether they're, you know, losing their marriages, whatever it is. And they, if they could just tap in for a minute, and that's what the meditation piece does. It helps you to tap into that place of joy where you actually come out of a meditation and you feel that, that lightness, you feel that twinge, you feel that connection, and if it, and as you do it more and more, and as you practice it more and more, it starts to become something that you live with on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis. You remember Carol King's song, you've got to get up every morning with a smile on your face yeah. and show the world or the joy in your heart, you know, this makes you beautiful, and it's true. Yes. Um, you know, you don't have to speak to everybody, but you know, that smile and that eye contact Looking directly at someone and smiling can speak volumes. It says, I see you. I -hmm. wish you well. If more and more people would look at people and say, I see you. I wish you well. We wouldn't have people walking around feeling that the world is on their shoulders or everybody hits them and there is no love in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that simple smile and acknowledgement. There is another human being in my presence. Mm -hmm. I'm going to acknowledge them um, without judgment. 
just with a simple wish you well smile, mm-hmm. and we would get a lot further in life. Absolutely. I remember years ago, my meditation teacher, who was this Buddhist nun, one of the exercises that she gave me was to walk up um, Young Street in Toronto, which is the, the longest street in, in Toronto. And I was working downtown at the time in a law office, and the exercise was to walk. It, was, it worked out to about 10 blocks, and it was a summer's day, and the exercise was to smile at every person that I saw on the street. And some people smiled back. I was, I was in my late teens, early 20. Some people smiled back. Some people probably thought that I was drunk or stoned. <laughs> some people, some people scowled at me. But I would have to say that it was a really interesting experience because most of the people, most of the people did smile back because I made that eye contact yeah. with them. Well, you know, we we all work virtually today because I know you do your things over Skype as well as in person or yes. by phone. But you know. Um, you get this little thing sometimes, even on Facebook, I'm having a bad day, I need a hug. And mm-hmm. all those people that come back with little hearts and little hugs and this and that, vibrationally you do feel it. If yeah. you walk into a store and some cashier is having a hard time, you know, and, and it's better to admit, you know, my day isn't going as I planned. And mm-hmm. for someone to then say to you, I wish you well, I hope your day goes better, it shifts your vibration. And if we acknowledge that and said, oh, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to get drawn in, instead of, I wish you well, um, we would shift those negative vibrations that people carry around with them and, and help them embrace a better day because someone cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, he comes back again. You know, it's not repeat again, but I have to. It's that gratitude place because yes. we, we in, in Northern civilization have to learn more about gratitude. Yeah, we do. Have to. There was a, there's a young fellow who just started working in our condo, and he's from Colombia. And the man has got a smile on his face every minute of the day, and he's welcoming everybody, and he's saying hello. And last week I looked at him and I said to him, you are one of the happiest souls that I have ever met. And he said to me, I'm happy to be here. Yes, Cold I'm weather, happy not cold to be weather or not. In a country where people walk around <laughs> shooting each other on the yeah, streets. Exactly. Because I am so blessed and so happy that I want to share it with absolutely everybody in this city. Yeah. And, that's and I thought the to myself, to that yeah. it's like it's like yeah. a walking angel, yes. you know? And that's that's what we all want to aspire to, is we all want to aspire to make that that positive impression on other people because in fact it comes from ourselves and we're making the positive impression on ourselves. Firstly, and again, I go back to that word, you know, sexy. That yes. is sexy. What we're talking about here, it's not about, it's not about wearing low-cut dresses. It's not about wearing yeah. short skirts. It's not about being good in bed. It is about being, living in the eye of your life, living in the eye of your life, and feeling your own vibration. Mm-hmm. I think that, I feel that's what sexy is. And that's is. what resonates. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you see numerous people, 50 up, um, that, you know, would be considered overweight or, you know, the the beautiful looks from the 20s are not there anymore. And they've just embraced who they are today. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're being sought after and celebrated for who they are today because they've embraced their authenticity. And they're, and they're living in the love of self. And there's nothing more sexy than that. Um, Absolutely. And, this, you know, sex, sexy is that sensuality of being in touch with life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, never mind, you know, the, 
that side of it but then of course the physical side of it with the meditation calming your stress down with uh, eating properly to fuel your body for the body you have now you know not the body you had 10 20 30 years ago the body you have now it requires different nutrients it requires uh, different digestive patterns um so kind of eating for your body now keeping your stress down with meditation um letting go of things that you can't change and then that were yesterday, it's all very key, isn't it? Yeah, like I look I look at myself and I go, but right now I'm probably in the best shape that I've ever been in in a, in a very, very long time. However, there are things that I can't change. My skin is aging. Mm-hmm. I look at my legs and I've got, you know, these funny little things happening and these little, these little spots, you know, like these little vein things and that's part of age. Yes. You know, I've got these little brown things in certain places. I look at my hands and I go, oh, yeah, well, okay. If you looked at my hands, I wouldn't think I was 48. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but these are things that it's all part of the aging process. So the fact of the matter is, is that, yes, you can look fantastic and you can, you can, you can put it, you can't stop the aging process, but you can get it under control like I have done. But there are still things that I still can't change. And I, you know what? And I don't want to. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, I got to this place through living a life. I'm not going to say that I'm 27. I'm not going to say that I'm 37. I'm very proud of the fact that I am 67. Yes, it's great compliments when people think that I'm 51 or 52 or 48. But the bottom line is, I know, I know who I am at this point in time in my life. I'm aware of what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. I'm aware of how much I can do in a day and how much I could have done in a day 10, 20, 30 years ago. And even though I have an abundance of energy because of what I eat, how I exercise and how I think and meditate, I still am slower in some areas than I was in other areas. But I don't get sad about it. Yes. You're living in gratitude. I'm living in gratitude for this healthy, thank God, this healthy body that I have now and and how, how I've helped other people and how I've been able to keep the stamina and be able to feel so youthful and crack the code at this at this stage of time in my life. And that's what you, that's to me that's that's everything. You know, it's we look it's at a world service. that where so many people are dying way too young. Um, yes. You know, and they're dying from disease, they're dying from hopelessness, they're, they're being murdered. Uh, and, you know, I look upon each age, you know, some people say, well, don't you want to hide your age? I say, no. I actually recently did an Asara show on, you know, 60 plus and mm-hmm. just listed all the the actresses out there that we deemed as beauty, you know, in their, in their 20s. And that 40, 50, even 60 years, look at uh, Betty White in, you know, 92, um, that are still out there, beautiful, vibrant people, yeah. wrinkles and all, because yeah. that joy of life and participating in life and in exuding that confidence and embracing every wrinkle, you know, has has made them such beautiful, divine people to look up to. Mm-hmm, exactly. And people who are too caught up in not having those wrinkles, those are the people that are going to suffer because guess what? We all get them. 
Uh, I don't care how much plastic surgery you have, darling. Something droops. You know, unless you go yeah. lift everything up, you know, everything starts going towards the knees. <laughs> we could do a whole show on what's drooping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember the old Playboy magazines. There was one where they had old granny in there and her boobs yeah. were so loose they just threw them over her shoulder. And I kind of, I'm getting closer and closer to that every day. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, that's the part of it. You know, I, I've still got them. They still feel. And, uh, you know, it just means they've, they're no longer the same shape they used to be <laughs> oh my goodness that's funny i love that <laughs> you gave me a good laugh <laughs> but i think because we have I to agree. look at I, I, every wrinkle we do have we've earned right yep. You know, that's Absolutely. every gray hair we have, we've earned. We've put our time in. Um, you know, the, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody that is old before their age because they didn't get the stress under control. Right. And but having said that, having said that, is that a person who meditates, and again, they've done studies, looks and feels younger than somebody else who's exactly the same age. So I attribute an awful lot to my, of the way I look youthful. To the fact that I meditate, because what happens when you're meditating daily, you're, everything's at rest. Your, your, all your, your face is at rest, your body's at rest, your organs are at rest. Everything is pushing and rejuvenating. Yes, it is, most certainly. Um, that rejuvenation Spark, is what keeps everything right? going. That yeah. People who don't meditate don't, don't get to have, because no. you can actually release the tension from the day or from the evening or from whatever and allow your body to go into that place where it is not experiencing that. Yeah, the rejuvenation. Right, it rejuve- meditation rejuvenates. Yes. Also, too, they've done studies that um, 20 minutes of meditation is equivalent to four hours of sleep. So they've done the studies that people who meditate regularly don't need as much sleep as other people. Well, I only get about four hours of sleep, and that's just because my body won't let me sleep. So maybe I need to, you know, increase that meditation time. And I you think. know, <laughs> you know, but it's also it's you know, for a lot of, a lot of people think they have to be kind of cross-legged and pretzeled, and you know, hum and no, you can sit and, in a chair. Yeah. I teach my clients to sit in a chair. Yeah. And to put, be in a relaxed position because we're not 20 anymore. I mean, exactly. we don't need to do those pretzel things. We're yeah. not 20 anymore. I used to sit on the floor and meditate cross-legged with a meditation pillow. I don't do that anymore. I have a lovely big chair in my room and my bedroom, and that's where I sit, and that's my comfortable place, and I take the, um, I take the phone out so that um, the, the landline doesn't ring, um, and I just put myself into that quiet place for 20 minutes every single day, sometimes twice a day. It depends on how the day goes. Right. If I have time, I will do it twice a day, morning and evening. Um, but no, it, it's, you just find that comfortable chair. You find that quiet room. Um, you make it a little bit dark if you can and um, by closing the drapes or closing the blinds and um, just de- use tools and decompress yourself. And, you know, what would you say to people who, who like to go for a walk and kind of get lost walking, in nature? Yeah, that's a walking meditation. Like yeah. I did that yesterday. I walked probably about five or six miles yesterday. I didn't go to the gym. The days I don't go to the gym, I still get out and move my body. It's a walking meditation. And there are walking, there actually are walking meditations that I will teach. So when a person is doing that walk, it becomes the distraction of the traffic or the distraction of the honking or whatever's going on becomes that white sound again. So people find knitting very, um, very meditative. Um, oftentimes you'll hear joggers say that they get into that, 
that meditative state. It's yeah. when their endorphins kick in and you feel like you can you can run forever. That's a type of meditation. So, but it's not the same. Okay, I will. It's an add-on. Right. It's an add-on. So it's like saying, well, you know, I ate one fruit today, but I really should be eating three or four, or I should be eating, you know, I ate one vegetable, but I really should be eating three vegetables. So the walking meditations or the running or the knitting, they're all ways to decompress, but actually sitting and meditating for 20 minutes a day is where the work is done. That's right. where the mind changes, that's where the emotions change, and that's where the body changes, all to the positive. Right. Yep, and uh, we have to do that, don't we? We have to invest in ourselves. You know, there is no escaping. We're with ourselves to the day we die. So if we want to have a good, you know, abundant life, then we're going to have to do what is needed, mind, body, and soul, in order to to feed it so that Mm -hmm. it can serve us. so it's there's no getting away with there is no downloadable app there is no quick you know you can't pay somebody else to do it for you no. uh, there are certain things we have to take control of and do ourselves right yeah i remember years ago when my mother turned 60 and she was one of these people that had a lot lot of difficulty coping with the aging process and she looked great i mean she just looked great but she was very very sad about this turning 60 she felt very old and it was horrible and she she basically had a minor um, a mini um what do they call a nervous breakdown and i taught her to meditate and it was phenomenal what happened to her from the meditation yeah. how everything just improved and how she 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 got back her life she got back control of her life and she wasn't so so reactionary and so sad all the time. Yeah, and that, of course, came from society's expectation of that you're over right. at 60, so a different right. generation, which we, we as the baby boomers are, you know, we've reinvented. Um, mm-hmm. And so our there kids won't go for the yeah. same thing, right? But there's still some people out there oh, yeah. that do believe it's over at 60 yeah. oh, I know. or 40. Hey, we're here to test me to say it ain't. It's just it's <laughs> it a ain't. new chapter, and boy, because you're wiser, uh, calmer, and you actually know what you want, it's much clearer. And exactly. so it's actually more fun. Mm-hmm. So would you please let people know, A, how they can get hold of you and what you offer them? Okay. Well, first of all, they can get me at my website, which is called Sexy Over 60, and it's spelled out. So it's sexy, C-X-Y, over, O-V-E-R, 60, S-I-X-T-Y, dot com. Um, my phone number is 416-473-8813, so they can reach me either way. Um, what I do with a client is I spend uh, time with them, speaking to them about what it is they, they need, first of all, because it's not what I can give them, it's what they're coming to me for. What is it they need? What are their needs? What do they want? And then from there, I build a program for them. So the program could be um, meditation coaching. It could be life coaching. Um, it could be the opportunity to to allow themselves to, to experience, because I'm also an astrologer as well, so it could be the opportunity to allow them to, to um, experience an astrology reading, which will help them to get to know themselves better, and then we can get into coaching from there. Um, I help them with... Um, with putting together um, an eating plan. I don't like to call it diet. There are no diets. Mm-hmm. With respect to putting an eating plan, to scheduling the time, and this is the most important. I really help my clients. One of the things a lot of people come to me with is I don't have time, I don't have time. I help them to put together, through the coaching process, to put together a schedule that they can see how easily it is to fit time in for themselves, which is one of the things that I had to learn. And again, because I've learned it, I can teach it so well. And that's what people usually get 
overwhelmed. I haven't got time to go to the gym. I don't have time to eat properly. I don't have time to meditate. Well, yes, you do. You do. You just have to know what your day looks like in advance so that you can start putting it in. I help people to plan to plan ahead for the week, to be able to see, you know, where they may get something that's going to give them a little bit of a kick where they're going to go, wow, I'm falling off, off the wagon, so to speak. So we look at those kinds of things. Um, I help them find their triggers. So it really, it's a real exercise in self-knowledge and self-development. Exactly. And you're in the greater Toronto area if anybody wants to see you in person. Otherwise, right. you do this by phone or by Skype. By Skype, yes, Internationally, it doesn't matter where in the world. No, it doesn't matter where. I have, I have clients all over the United States. I have clients in Europe, um, all parts of Europe. Um, I have clients in different, in different provinces of, of Canada. Um, so, it, no, it doesn't matter where a person is. What matters is they want to make some change and implement some change, and they don't know how or they feel that they need a little bit of help. And the best athletes in the world have coaches. We exactly. all have coaches. I've had coaches in my life. I believe that everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs that person who can see things that they can't see and help them to stay on track and to be able to validate them and to be able to help them to, to, feel, to feel empowered. And of course, the, the added advantage, uh, uh, advantage of the astrology too is that you can chart them as well. Oh, yeah. um, so it's not just, you know, the tools that you've got that you're helping them with, but it's also that divine chart that can yeah. show them the path that they need to take as well. So right. it's a, a double advantage. It's a double advantage. And, you know, they call me they call me, um, an astro- they call me a life coach with Chris because of that astrology yeah. piece. They can also go to leslietrail.com, which is my astrology site l-e-s-l-i-e-t-r-a-i-l-l.com and there's video on there um there's video on there that will explain about astrology how it is helpful and with respect to the sexy over 60 there's um there's quite a few uh, tv interviews i've done a number of tv interviews um a number of radio radio show interviews so there's a lot of information that they can glean from both these sites that can help them to make a decision if I'm the right person to help them and on their journey. that's what it's about is that there are, you know, there are many people out there doing great work like what you're doing but right. it's you, vibrationally you want to connect and uh, if you're the right person for something that vibration will connect and uh, that is already a huge barrier removed because they're now ready to receive. Exactly, exactly. Well, I thank you so much for being on the air with us here today. Valuable information. Um, you know, it's uh, being sexy and living in sexy is very much uh, a perception or attitude and how we choose to live our life. We can either live it to our fullest uh, or we can sit and moan about it and age quickly. That's right. And I thank you very much for having me on your show, Sarah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, folks, it's sexyover60.com. Please look Leslie up. um, Certainly learn some techniques to help you in your life. This is what this is all about. Until next time, folks, start off by being kind to yourself.